So that is just part of what the lay of the land looks like. Uh, Dr. Miriam Altman is a commissioner at the National Planning Commission. Good morning, Dr. Altman, and thank you so much for your time today. Morning. Thanks for having me here. It's a pleasure to have you on. And, you know, mm. we're going to try and cover as, as much as possible. But perhaps mm. just to, to, to begin with a, a brief overview of where we are as a country. You know, the NDP has, has long been used as the document that forms a blueprint to government policy. At certain times, we have seen serious commitments to that. And at other times, not so much. In terms of just the general sense that you are getting, uh, after having put this paper together and having really ha- ha- having had to take a, a, a very sober look at, at the state of the country, um, where would you say that we, we went wrong? Yeah, so I appreciate the, the summary that your journalist just made. Um, I, I, I think it might be useful to narrow down mm. uh, what the critical issue is mm. because we just find that there isn't sufficient uh civil society, sometimes even in government focus, which is when you see these kinds of challenges across the board, mm. you know you have an across-the-board kind of problem. Just in one sector, it's a problem. The cool thing in South Africa is we came out of apartheid with separate development, state institutions that were that had narrow mandate um, that was really not about employment <laughs> and mm. empowering, empowering mm. the majority. Mm. And then we were trying to build up a state and a government that could deliver more broadly. Absolutely critical to be making big structural shifts. You need a strong private sector too, of course, in the labor movement and civil society. But the reality is you need a state in a country like South Africa that can deliver these, that, that can really drive these big structural shifts. So we were making progress for a period of time, but unfortunately, the character of state capture in South Africa was that um, it undermined state capacity. It was it was targeted, mm. it targeted at breaking down capacity, but that we that we just absolutely couldn't afford. So the thing about corruption is that corruption doesn't corruption is a terrible thing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you will not deliver anything. So if you look at countries like Vietnam or Malaysia. That fall that 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 fall very high in global corruption ranks, but they're very successful countries because they don't target they they build up capacity they don't break it down. Now in South Africa, unfortunately, what happened over the past decade is that there was a, a dramatic undermining across the board from local government, revenue services, treasure you know attacking treasury. It was right across the board to hollow mm-hmm. out government. Mm-hmm. Mm. Hollow out maybe a, a harsh word, but to hollow out capacity and alienate capacity so that people could steal. <laughs> so, so, so now what's happened mm. is that is that it's very hard to deliver without that capacity. And so, what we're saying here is this stud that this this report is actually about the economy and where we are. Mm. But what we're saying is at this moment in time in South Africa. The key focus in national conversation and effort needs to be on building up people and building up institutions. It's the key differentiator between countries that progress Mm. and those that don't. And we need to start focusing almost all of our effort on that. It's interesting that, you know, you've used the the kind of descriptions that you have that 
there, there was a target on the entire state to reduce capacity. Uh, is that something that you're seeing from um, the the research that, that you have done when trying to understand why the impact of, of the slow progress has been across the board? Uh, so what we did as the National Planning Commission, we did a review and we looked at what the NDP said, specifically what the targets were, where we are against that, what the gaps were and why, and what to do about it. So the studies we did, we probably did about 15 reports at least. And each of the research teams, and, and, on, and on topics like stand-on enterprise, uh, like Prostate Transnet and ESCOM, infrastructure delivery, higher education, you know, post-school education delivery, basic education delivery, digital readiness, this type of thing. So we, we, we did, and, and those are all available, by the way, on our website. And I, I hope that um, you'll, you'll, you'll give your listeners uh, the link. Um, so all of these, all of those reports, including this one, is available uh, to anyone who wants it. Now, what we ask them to do, it's not to say that we don't need a strengthening of policy. Mm. I'm sure we do. You always do. You can always improve what you're doing. But the critical question... Oh, Dr. Altman, I'm not sure what's wrong with that line. I'm going to ask the team to redial you because we've just lost you a bit there. We'll take a quick break and uh, I'll continue the conversation with Dr. Miriam Altman. She's a, a commissioner at the National Planning Commission. When we return, we'll talk about employment growth. We'll take a look at the poverty rates. Uh, we'll also take a look at the progress or lack thereof on equity. Those are just some of the things that this report has highlighted. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the talking point. We're reflecting on the National Development Plan with the Commissioner at the National Planning Commission, Dr. Miriam Altman. A research paper being released that shows exactly where we are and what needs to be done in order to get us on track to at least coming close uh, to meeting some of those targets, even though um, you know the, the likelihood now is that we won't meet the targets. And, and just more generally, uh, Dr. Altman, before I get into the nitty gritties, mm. you know, part of what you've done is that you've you've kind of like given some recommendations or on a course on how to get back on track. Overall, if we're not going to meet the NDP targets for 2030, have you been able to put a timeline of when we are likely to get there? And, and of course, I would imagine that it would take a number of variables being in place and almost staying the same in order to, to get there. So let me, let me phrase that a different way. Because mm-hmm. we did get asked that, and we, and we asked ourselves if we should uh, produce some scenarios, and we decided mm-hmm. not to mm-hmm. in this report. Because mm-hmm. you might know that there were scenarios in the first uh, planning in, in, the, in the NDP mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. Now... Because of where we are, South Africa has been, frankly, stuck as a country for probably 40 or 50 years. It's something that we raise in the paper. If you look at since 1960, South Africa has had low per capita growth, except for a period in the 60s and a period uh, in the 2000s. We have, we have a behavioral problem that we don't invest enough in people, and we don't invest enough in institutions that could deliver uh, to people. So, and, and now we're really stuck, not even just stuck going backwards. We, we know that. You don't need the NPC to tell you that. Everybody knows that. The, the economy was shrinking before COVID, and employment was literally falling. It wasn't mm. just growing slowly, it was falling. So mm. we don't need to tell you that we're going backwards, mm. right? 
The question is why? So as I was saying before, what we got all of our researchers to do was we said, you might, you might have some policy recommendations, but that's not actually what our focus is right now. Our focus right now is let's find places that we can all agree on and where we probably even, we may even have policies that, that are, are well-designed, but somehow we're not making progress. Delivery mm-hmm. on infrastructure is a very good area, as an example. Nobody will argue we don't want infrastructure, mm-hmm. right? So the question is, do you have the money, but it even gets underspend. You know, it's not just that you have Madupi and Kosita of municipal capital budgets get spent. So that's not state capture or, you know, that we don't want to do it. So the question is, why doesn't it happen, right? So the exam question given to all these groups was that, because I think that, you know, we think that that is what we had to attend to, and that's why most of our recommendations focus on leadership accountability, mm. you know, et cetera. Now, in terms of the targets, Shall, shall I carry on? Yes, 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 you okay. may. Mm. So now in terms of the targets, the way we approached it, because we, we did wonder if we, should, if we should weigh in on that. And we don't put a year as to when we might achieve uh, full employment, but what we're saying is full employment has to continue. You don't change a target like that. It may not be 2030. In fact, it probably won't be 2030. It has... Hello, Dr. Altman. Here, it's nothing where I can sleep. Uh, sorry, I, now, I, keep, I yeah. keep losing you on this line. I don't know if you're able to maybe just move around uh, slightly. Because, sure. uh, yeah, the, the line keeps going off. But go, go ahead. Better? Oh, no. Okay? Yes, yes, I've got you okay. back now. Yeah. Okay. So, um, okay. So, I'm not sure where you lost me, but so, basically... Employment is the most important uppermost target that the whole plan is organized around. Mm. And employment is a dependency that relies on a whole lot of thing, other things happening. And it grows bit by bit, year on year. It's a cumulative thing. It's very hard to make enormous leaps in, in employment mm. in, in any one year, mm. right? That's why you need consistent improvement every year. So it is, very, it is, it is almost impossible that we can achieve uh, full employment by 2030 at this point. But that doesn't mean we should abandon the target. We should still be trying to get to full employment, even if it takes us longer to do. Mm-hmm. Having said that, the subsidiary targets that it depends on need to happen now. So, for example, we say we need 30% investment to GDP ratio, right? That's not a 2030 target. That's a now target because everything else uh, uh, depends on that. And as your GDP rises... You know, if it's 30% of GDP, your investment rises, mm. right? So, you know, so, so the thing is now, now investment is uh, just under 18%, not 30. And government, spend it, government investment uh, in infrastructure was meant to be 10% of GDP, and it's now at 5.6%. Mm. Now, area that... Oh, all right. I'm not now. sure what's happening with that line. So uh, to, call me again. Yeah. So, so Dr. Altman, what we'll do is that we'll try and redial that that number okay. because uh, we're missing some of the critical information uh, that you're okay. sharing with us uh, when it comes to how exactly you have uh, come to the determinations in this paper. Okay. Uh, but sure. just also what we need to be more aware of. Our producers will 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 redial you in a moment, and of course, uh, you can be part of this conversation as well. You can dial us on zero double one. 
714-206. We'll open the lines, I think, just around 20 to 11. Um, so you can also get to engage with Dr. Altman and, you know, ask whatever questions that uh, you want to when it comes to the NDP. Uh, the SMS line is 41391. And on WhatsApp, it's 0614104107. And you can also just touch us up on to- on social media at SFM Radio, the hashtag SFM Talking Point. Bulelani Lituga in Matadiel in the Eastern Cape says, Good day, says Kathy and team. Yes, I hear you talking about the financial part of the 2030 NDP vision. But but my comment is that I don't see SA meeting all the targets. Look at the Western Cape, how many new shacks are built in a day, yet the country wants to uh, meet targets by 2030. We're still far from that. Okay, it's 10.30. Nandika Biokas has your latest news headlines. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide, leading the conversation. Of course, we continue the conversation this morning. We're focusing on the National Development Plan with Dr. Miriam Altman, who is a commissioner at the National Planning Commission. Dr. Altman, of course, before we went to the news headlines, you had already started to touch on the issue of employment and why it is so central to the NDP. And of course, we know that employment numbers in this country have been in a dismal state for for some years now. Yeah, um, you know, elevating employment is the answer to solving most of South Africa's problems, frankly. Mm. You know, uh, you would be dealing with poverty, with, you know, so so many of the other issues would be dealt with if we had more uh, economic participation. And so the plan focuses on that. Now, solving for high unemployment, is it, it's one of the most complex things you can do uh, because you do almost nothing directly about it mm-hmm. other than maybe public works. Almost everything that you do about employment is indirect and you have to hope that it works, right? Now, the, uh, the, now when we were talking about the target, mm-hmm. I don't, should I, do you want me to go back to that? Yeah, or? Yes, yes, you can. Okay, because it's quite an important thing because people, people ask about that a lot. The ethos of it, we didn't. We decided not to do scenarios and start redoing targets. The reality is we should still be trying to get to full employment and eradication of poverty. That has to be our uppermost goal. And then we're a country that is the most unequal in the world. If you, if you stack every single country up in the world, mm. we are the most unequal. And we have constitutional commitments, and we should be striving to achieve that. There is no room for cynicism on that. You know, I often give the example of the UN when they have uh, SDGs, right? Yes. And it might, it might say... The Sustainable Development Goals. Right. And we're mm. supposed to be, for example, uh, you know, eradicating child malnutrition, for mm. argument's sake. And then if say you're a country that doesn't achieve it, you don't say, well, we better change the SDG. You say, we better up our game. Mm. Mm. And you, then you don't walk away and cry about it and complain about it. What you do is you say, okay, we didn't do well. Let's, let's, let's you know... <laughs> take the dust off mm-hmm. and, 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 and up our game. There's, you know, there's nothing like the present and the future. You know, that's, that's where you are. So the reality is we have not done well on employment. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. COVID's not going to help. That's for, that's for absolute sure. 
But, you know, we are where we are, and we have to do our best, and we must absolutely be putting – we, we must absolutely be making an effort to get to full employment. But it's, there's no doubt that it's going to take us mm-hmm. longer to do it. So should those targets change? No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Will the years change? Maybe. But the, the supporting goals, for example, and I was giving the example of uh, we have a target of 30% investment to GDP ratio as a dependency. And the state should, should account for 10% of GDP. Uh, so basically a third of the investment target should be delivered by the state. And that's going to happen mostly in infrastructure. Mm. We are now at about almost 18% investment to GDP. And the state contributes 5.6% to GDP uh, of investment. Now, nobody, nobody will argue that we don't want infrastructure, right? Every, yeah. Everybody in the country can agree we want, we want energy availability we would like to see better commuter transport. We would like to see, uh, you know, uh, transport services to the agriculture sector, et cetera, right? No, nobody will say we don't want that. We have money that goes into it. We have institutions that are meant to deliver. We have policies, you know, for it. Now, the, 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 million, the, the billion dollar question that we asked our researchers, and, we, and, and you were asking, is there work done on this? We issued about 15 papers on each topic mm. to break it down if people want to see, you know, in their particular area what it is that we found, specifically in this area, why stuff goes wrong and what needs to be done about it, you know, and, and then it's brought together in this paper. Now, so, so the question is what's going wrong across the board and what's going wrong across the board, you see it, you see it right across the board in the state right now, is the undermining of uh, leadership capacity, technical capacity, procurement capability um, in delivering. And that is, we, we did a lot of work. We, we focused quite a bit on infrastructure and infrastructure state-owned enterprises because it's so critical, as we did on education. Mm. And we specifically look at metrics to look at performance, uh, both in terms of top-line delivery, like did you deliver or did you procure the energy, and in terms of metrics like is there stable executive management Right. Mm-hmm. So this isn't just pie in the sky. Uh, you know, we, we thumb sucked uh, the idea that it's not going well. We, so we you, you're, a, you're able to locate the problem within precisely. different institutions yeah. and you're able to pinpoint, well, how we've actually gotten here is because right. we've looked at all of these SOEs. We've looked at all of these institutions and this is the aggregate. Well, we bring it together and mm. you find a common problem across the board that mm. we think is linked to the program of state capture mm. and what it's done to the culture. You know, the upside of all this is that it's within our power to fix. Mm. You know, you sometimes have problems. There are a lot of things that South Africa will face that are global issues that we, we, we can't influence. Mm. But the set of issues that we're raising here should be empowering. I mean, it's a little depressing, but it's empowering from the perspective that it's within our power to do. Mm-hmm. You, I, I just wanted to touch on something that you've raised in terms of the, the capabilities. Is it a mm. case of, you know, if, and you've mentioned all of these areas uh, and, and systems in, in which you have found shortfalls. Is it a case of people being in positions and not doing their jobs well or being unable to do the job. So is there a complete lack of technical capacity or people can do the job, but they're just not doing it in the way that they know they should? 
You know, it's sometimes hard to say. I, th I think it's a combination of these things. And, you know, to um, the credit of the state, these are things that they're looking at at the moment. So that means getting the right capabilities, like, for example, how the boards of state-owned enterprises are appointed. Um, we find that procurement capacity has been undermined, specifically because that's, of course, where corruption is. Um, you know, so, so some part of this, is right skill, right job. Some part of this, and we and we have a whole section on public employment, by the way, and how we how we start getting better direction in that. Mm -hmm. So some part of this is performance management, and there's very little of it that really happens that's meaningful in in the public sector. Some part of this is right getting the right skill and the right job. The, the point that you've raised. Some part of this is the structure of the state. So, for example, while people say the state, you know, people love to say the state is bloated. It's just not a helpful way of seeing it because actually it's not a big state relative to, you know, what it's meant to do and globally, you know, it fits in the zone. Mm. The problem is we probably have too many paper pushers and, not in, and we definitely don't have enough service delivery people. So, um, you know, maybe 120,000 people were employed over the past decade for argument's sake. So, so we have about 1.2, 1.3 million public servants right now. Mm. Almost all of those were health, health workers and then police, teachers, uh, you know, working in the judicial system, this mm -hmm. type of thing, mm -hmm. right? So now, now the problem is that, 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 that the, 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 the availability of people who are at the coal face in service delivery has not grown in line with the population. And those are kind of the types of services that, you know, you have to see a doctor, you have to see a doctor, mm -hmm. you know, you're not, you're not going to see you know, uh, I don't know how you get more efficiency there. So, um, so the problem is we don't have enough people in service delivery. We don't have enough people supporting them. Very few people in the lower grades, like porters in hospitals, mm. um, people who do stock control, for example, in, in hospitals. So you get the professionals doing that also, mm. right? Um, so it's also about structure. So our report does drill down, in fact, to those issues. And then we have a combative labor environment as well. And then we have a situation where, um, you know, you have health workers and teachers going on strike. Now, one of the things the NDP says is, you know, you, you need to have essential services not going on strike. Having said that, if you're going to do that, the state has to get better at negotiating, mm. you know, so that they don't have to go on strike. Mm. You know, that's the conversation we need. You know, this thing that says you need to lob off the top and it's bloated. I mean, the state is an important, and no matter how you look at it, however people feel, every single country people complain about their state. Even, because it's a big bureaucracy and everybody in the world feels that the state feels like a black box, even in countries that are highly functional, I promise you. Mm. So, you know, the issue is that it's important that it delivers. There's no doubt about it. And we have to have a proper national conversation about what we do about that. Dr. Miriam Altman is a commissioner at the National Planning Commission. When we come back, I want us to look at the issue of the poverty rates. It's also an important conversation for South Africa. Uh, and it's, the data seems to be showing slight improvements, but also in some instances a, re, a regression when it comes to some years. I will continue after this. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. 
Well, thanks for joining the conversation this morning. We're talking about uh, the National Development Plan and some of those targets that have been set in the NDP and how far, of course, we actually are in reaching some of those targets. We've been in conversation with Dr. Marion Altman and we're going to open the lines now. Uh, you can call us on 011-714-2006, the SMS line 41391 and on WhatsApp at 0614-104-107. Dr. Altman, I just want to quickly talk about the poverty rates where uh, you found some improvements. And I'm also interested just to hear the comparisons that you've done between South Africa and some of the other emerging countries when it comes to uh, targeting an improvement of the poverty rates. Yeah, thanks. Um, So there was a dramatic uh, improvement in poverty, um, as we know, Um, uh, those living below the poverty line fell by about 50% uh, uh, to 2006. Um, it fell from 51% of the population to 36% in 2011. And then it reversed to 40% in 2016. The reason that we're, we're, we're referring to 2016 is that um, I don't believe we, we get these statistics from Stat, from Stat South Africa, and, and I don't believe that there's been a report since then. But what that tells us is that, is that it's going in the wrong direction. And when you see employment shrinking, you can be sure that it's, that it's worsening. And under COVID, you know, don't statistics, but there are some groups like at UCT that are doing some great work to um, gather information. But, we, you know, <laughs> just, you, you just have to have your eyes open to, to, to be thinking that it's getting worse. Now, what's going on? You know, aside, COVID aside, you know, the, the thing with COVID is that people just don't have the safety net. I mean, that, that is the starting point of the problem. Mm. But, um, uh, you know, so, so if the state doesn't support you and you've lost your job, what are you supposed to do? I mean, what's the idea? <laughs> you know? mm. so, um, so now the critical thing is uh, in South Africa is that the social wage, social wage refers to everything from, it's a very important idea, and the social wage refers to some, everything from social grants to... Um, uh, the state provision of, of, of electricity, water, uh, when the state offers free education, it basically makes up for the fact that you don't have the money to necessarily pay for the good or the service, and the state steps in or just makes, it helps you to square a living. Now, as much as people think that things like grants and whatever aren't sustainable, the reality is that globally, um, uh, this kind of way of thinking of things, even in developing countries, is, is, is a very prominent way of thinking about uh, how we ensure that everybody has a good standard of living. Um, and uh, so it's, it's not unique to South Africa. So Brazil, India, et cetera, all, all are thinking in that zone. And the plan was very big on this particular issue in, in achieving a decent standard of living. Now, if we want to continue reducing poverty, we will have to raise employment, strengthen service delivery, and reduce the cost of living. So, for example, stabilizing and reducing the cost of food, just mm-hmm. as an example, which mm-hmm. has been a problem. Now, the problem for people and what, what entrenches this poverty aside, are, of course, unemployment, right? So you have, you have low-income earners supporting many people. But the, but the issue also is that asset poverty is, is, is very deep. We have a very small middle class, and that middle class is very fragile. So and, and there is and there's very little safety net that people have. So in many countries they might have a piece of land and they farm when 
somebody loses a job, you make a plan around that, that mm-hmm. you have a deeper informal sector, that type of thing. And you don't have that in South Africa. So the central concerns that we raise, and we, and we, and we detailed work on this in the um, report that we've just issued, is on land, re- on land redistribution, low-income housing, the deeds registry system, mm-hmm. limited pension contributions, and high indebtedness are the suite of things that make it very hard for families. Now, in addition to that, of course, uh, weak education systems and unemployment are key. But in relation to this particular topic, that's what we were identifying. And we offer uh, quite a lot of detail around that. All right. I'm going to open the phone line. Sebastian, you're calling us from Cape Town. Good morning, Sebastian. Yes, good morning to you and Dr. Altman. Of course, what is important is not just what is in the NDP, but what it may have left out and also whether there are any components in it that should not be there. I'd just like to raise the question of the unemployment rate. Now, you're never going to win this particular battle uh, while you're battling against an increasing population growth because uh, the history of this country has been that the growth uh, in the economy and the employment rate has been less uh, than the population growth rate and as far as I'm aware there's no nothing in the national development plan to actually uh, address uh, population growth which can be two ways one is persuasively and the other is coercively uh, I would suggest a persuasive route uh, but this hasn't been tried um, now if you come to um, the goals of uh, an adequate social ra- wage and uh, lowering the cost of living um, the only way that one can actually uh, effectively achieve these uh, in the current circumstances and actually uh, is improving the uh, purchasing power of our currency, strengthening the RAND, but I don't think, and this is actually a mandate of the Reserve Bank, which they've mm-hmm. effectively mm-hmm. Uh, neglected, that's their primary mandate, mm-hmm. but I don't think this is in the National Development Plan uh, uh, as a strong objective, uh, and it should be. Um, and something that is omitted, which I feel should be given attention, is if Dr. Altman goes back to her office and Googles something called Victory Gardens, These were national campaigns uh, in other countries in previous times which were tremendously successful in times of stress, Um, getting the whole population involved in growing food and vegetables, uh, fruit, vegetables, uh, in whatever small or large uh, plot of land or flower pots even that they had Mm. accessible. Now, I've been panting this on air since March last year. I was going to say, you've spoken spoken about it quite a number of times, Sebastian. But there's been no pickup. You Mm. know, we're now in January and... no, no one has actually picked up this. A few people, organizations I've contacted have in their um, relatively small capacities, but uh, we need a national campaign. Yeah. And uh, we haven't got a national campaign, and this isn't too difficult to achieve. All right, Sebastian, thanks for the call. I know that on Pemelo's show in particular, uh, there are different organizations that are doing work in communities to help people, um, you know, build, you, start up their own gardens and and really create awareness around this, but an important point that you're raising. Uh, Lisiba, you're calling us from Mabopane. Okay, Lisiba's actually just uh, gone off the line there. Uh, Dr. Altman, I don't know if you yeah. do you want to respond sure. just to some of the things that uh, Sebastian was raising. Yeah, okay. So uh, I would say three parts. Mm. One is 
The population is growing by about 1.6%, more or less. Employment almost always grows by more than that, just to say. I'm not, I'm not sure because he was breaking up, so I'm not sure if that's what he said. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah. So, so uh, just to correct that, um, we are in a, in a difficult situation now, but it is not the case that over the past, you know, 10 or 20 years, that employment has grown more slowly than the population. Mm. That, is, that is just not correct. Mm. The, it hasn't grown fast enough, but that's not the issue. The, the dynamic way, um, you know, I don't know I don't know what to say about, you know, coercively containing population. That dangerously sounds like what was happening, uh, you know, 30 or 40 years ago. But... Um, uh, you know the population is not growing that is not growing excessively. Um, the labor market actually has not been growing very fast at all. And I and what I mean is the labor force. Um, what you do in a developing country and what, what how you get a dynamic improvement is you focus on the productive side of the economy. So I don't think we've got an out of control population growth. What we have is stasis in the economy. Mm. Now what you want is a digital dividend. Right. You want what you you don't want to have a big older population and a small younger population. You see the problem Mm. because. Yeah. So so long range, you want to keep the population growing. But then we have to implement these more dynamic things that get the economy going now. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the mandate of the revenue of, of, of the Reserve Bank is not to strengthen the RAND. It's to protect it. There's a big difference. Do you see the difference? Yes, yes. Yeah, yes, there's yes. a very big difference. Mm. It's meant to protect it. Now, uh, you know, again, there had been a strategy uh, pre-democracy to, 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 to strengthen the RAND, if you remember. I, I don't know if you do, but um, and a strategy to use, to, to, to buy dollars, et cetera, and, uh, and uh, elevate it. And it was found to be completely un- unsustainable. And that was an approach that was abandoned. So if you remember, the rand and the dollar were, were equivalent in the 80s, incredibly. But they were equivalent, and one-to-one. And, uh, and, that, and, and it was held up for that. Now, that is um, a disincentive for employment because what you want is a competitive currency that enables the expansion of exports and makes imports more expensive. And then what government does is it makes it easier to import for inputs for exports, but you make imports for consumer goods more expensive so that people buy, have, have an incentive locally. So even though people have the psychology that having a weak rand, that so-called weak rand, mm. right, is bad, actually a strong rand, if you, if you want to put it strong and weak, has a value. But a, a, a rand that is uh, higher valued is not a job-creating rand. Now, uh, I don't mean I it see. should be 25 to yeah, 1, I see right? what you're saying, yeah. But what I'm saying is it's the, wrong, it's the wrong way to think about it. People often have that narrative because it makes it appear like it's weak, we're mm. weak. Now, if the rand were appreciating on the back of higher, you know, if we were dramatically expanding our manufactured exports, etc., and we were doing incredibly well, which we have not been, but say we were, and the RAND was appreciating because uh, we were selling more overseas, that would be a great thing. It wouldn't be a problem. That would be a great thing. Mm. That would be a good thing. That would be a reflection of success. 
But unfortunately, what happens is that our RAND is highly volatile around commodities, around the price of commodities, and as a commodity currency. It's not related to what's happening in the real economy. That's what needs to be focused on in relation to the currency. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to gardens, I've got to say, on that particular point, Sebastian, I'm totally with you. You know, I did my graduate work in the UK at uh, Manchester. Uh, I did my PhD in Manchester. I did my master's in Cambridge. And in Manchester, these, these community gardens, these municipal gardens are big stuff. And it, it is such a great program. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I just, for the life of me, cannot understand why we aren't doing more of um, making municipal commonages available and then having little plots that people can go to and then support. It's very, very common in the UK, again, where I studied. It is, it is so, such low-hanging fruit, mm. if I can say, in relation to what could be done to create a bit more of a safety net, get people out and active and socializing. I, I completely agree with them on that score. All right. Uh, I've got a couple of more callers on the line, and I'm also mindful of the time because I know you've got an 11 o'clock meeting to yeah. get to. And um, I'm opening that meeting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let, let's try and, 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 and get through it then. Uh, yeah. Lisiba, you're calling us from Mabopani. Uh, how are you, Lisiba? I'm, I'm okay, ma'am. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. If you can um, keep it brief, please. Yes. Mm. Okay. One is that even the experts say the NDP is not actually a plan. It's something to work a plan on. Mm. And so the, the National Planning Commission, which is basing its planning on something that is not a plan, is actually a joke. So it's more of a National Complaining Commission than, than, than planning. And our employment... We, we, you see, it's only that we are doing it locally, but it, actually it operates like a migrant. We, we, we are like Zimbabwe working in South Africa because we, we have no share of what is happening. So mm-hmm. we are, the black people in this country are not part of the economy except for being labor, and labor is an expense, it's not an asset. So no economy can be, can hinge or pivot on an expense. All right. So the whole planning is is complaining. Actually, it's not planning. Thank you very much. Okay, let's see. But let's leave it there. Butana and Rosebank, very brief, please. I briefly, those lofty, those lofty programs, uh, they were not intended even to be achieved. The main objective was to put them in manifesto to look good. That was the end of it because they, they, they didn't even bother to monitor. They wake up today and realize they would know they've done nothing. Mm. All right, um, all right, I, I, Dr. I unfortunately have to sign off, and, yes. and those are very important points that were made. Mm. If I can just urge them to actually read, you know, what would help, perhaps, it is very far from a complaining plan, and it is most definitely a plan. Um, uh, and what I would suggest to them Mm. is please have a look at the paper that we've issued. We look precisely at what was recommended and what's happened and what's gone wrong. And I hope that that can create a constructive engagement and that we could have a further discussion. I'd, I'd love to come back if, if, 
if you're willing to continue well, this uh, discussion. We're but I really, I really have to sure, sign off. Unfortunately, I'm opening in my next meeting. Don't worry about it, Dr. Altman. Really, thank you for your time today. And yes, would would of course uh, love to have uh, a follow up on this particular conversation. Some interesting issues that are coming out of uh, these reports. And I and I guess you know, often when you see the reports, such as what the National Planning Commission has compiled now, um, you take a look at the work that uh, Stats SA does. We certainly don't have a shortage of institutions that try to understand the problems in the country and provide frameworks and solutions for how we can get through those problems. The biggest issue, of course, and you would have heard uh, the former statistician general, uh, Badile Hodla, rather, bemoaning this, is the fact that it's simply doesn't it seems to uh, be ignored it, it it is not taken on board these suggestions recommendations are not always taken on board by the state which means that uh, you know once we've had the discussions they sit uh, somewhere in in a corner and uh, they're not informed to they're not used rather to direct policy real time and and that's one of the things that that certainly needs to change it's 11 o'clock let me take you to Nandika Bjorkas who's standing by with your headlines and of course coming up uh, in the 11 o'clock hour we're going to uh, just pay tribute to Jackson Mtembo with uh, his former comrade and we'll also talk about this moment that we're in how do we begin to grieve in a way that I think also helps us process and helps us let go of the loss that we are suffering